Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Midwest Madness, your true crime, cult, conspiracy, and cryptid podcast. I'm Emily. And I'm Danielle. And um, hold on. I had to re-listen to one of our old episodes, like one of our like first 10. And it's so funny because at the beginning, you sound so sweet. You're like, hi, I'm Emily. Oh, no, I'm just like, Mah. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're just like, fuck no, it. I'm just like, I'm Emily. Like, straight to the I'm point. I'm fucking here. And then you like, well, I'm very like exhausted today. So <laughs> you but. said like two of them, and then you like must have just stared at me because for me to do the, the other, other two. Oh. And then I forgot. I was like, cryptid and and you're like, cult. And I was like, that's what it is. That's what it's called. <laughs> yeah, we've come far. It was really funny. <laughs> I enjoyed it. I was like, oh my god, we sound so like bright eyed and bushy tailed and like just so excited. Yeah. So you did have a big weekend. I'm so. also PMSing. PMSing. Oh, that sucks. I'm just like, I'm exhausted. Yeah, that I get really tired too. Yeah, and headaches. That's what I have right now. Great. Tired and great headache. for you. Love that. Yep. So sorry. I'm it's, so sorry. It is what it is. Yay, ladies. Um. Okay. So we have want to talk about Cindy. Yes. Yidis, we really have an update. Quick. Um. Well, I guess I don't think it'll be really quick, but as quick as we can. Um, I have his name. Ed, I think it was. Um, and it was Eddie and Eddie. an anonymous member. Yes. Um, so. For posting on our Facebook page um, about this break in the case because neither of us had heard no, anything about it. No. So. It was very much a surprise. Yeah. Crazy. So um, Danielle's going to do a little update. Yes. And I'm going to sit and listen. Okay. So I started it with, if you're in our Facebook group. Uh, the Midwest Madness podcast Facebook group. You might have seen news about Cindy Yedis, the wife and convicted murderer of Wisconsin pharmacist Ken Yedis. Super quick recap. Ken Yedis was found in his bed, dead after being shot by a shotgun by his wife, Cindy, in August of 2006. Cindy, who had slept in a camper the night before because she was sick and didn't want to disturb him, claimed that she had not done it because the meds that Ken had given her had completely knocked her out. Their bed was also, or in their bed, was also a note that said bitch on it. She tried to blame it on several other people, including former actor Butch Patrick Lilly, who played Eddie Munster in The Munsters. Cindy was convicted of Ken's murder in October of 2021 and was sentenced to life in prison without the chance of parole in June of 2022. What no one knew was that life in prison was only going to be until July 20th, 2023. Cindy was found unresponsive in her cell at the Techida Correctional Institution. Efforts to revive her were unsuccessful. She was found severely beaten, and Fond du Lac police are looking into the death as a homicide. So that's pretty much the the quick update that we had. But then um, I think it was Eddie posted something that Ken's sister Lori wrote and Lori has actually commented on our podcast group yeah and we've and talked we've, to her yep we've privately. both had direct messages with her a couple of times she's super sweet really nice lady um and she wrote uh like a blog post or something I don't know exactly where it came from but she wrote something so I just wanted to read that because I thought that would be the most respectful way to handle this you know from a victim's family impact so she wrote quote the death of cindy schultz is a tragedy oh yeah she went with the uh before the uh maiden name uh actually the second first married name okay um 
I know a little about tragedies. Cindy was in prison as a party to the murder of my brother, Ken Yedis. To provide some background from my first conversation with Cindy in 2004, I worried about her relationship with my brother. Those fears only increased as I watched the train wreck that finally led to Ken's death in 2006. Since Ken's death, I have talked with many people as well as collecting bank, court, and newspaper documents. I did this only because law enforcement was not providing me with the answers I so desperately needed that would help me understand why someone killed my brother. In my research, I found many, many examples of her actions that should have raised red flags with law enforcement prior to Ken's death. Yet, even though she committed many financial and potentially criminal offenses during her life, she never she was never arrested for anything until Ken's murder. After her arrest in 2019, the Marathon County District Attorney's Office had ample time to investigate Ken's murder more fully. Remember that she was convicted of being a party to Ken's murder. This is because there was not enough evidence to prove that it was her finger on the trigger of the gun that fired the fatal shotgun shell into my brother's back. The irony is that after almost two decades of investigation, the Marathon County Sheriff's Department did not discover the holder of the gun that fired the shotgun shell into my brother's back. Cindy claimed that she did not fire the shot, and a lie detector test administered by a trained police officer confirmed her claim. This means that Ken's murderer may still be free. Could it be that someone had a motivation to make sure that new information in her pending appeal was never made public? Cindy's death is a sad end to a sad life. I think we should all pause to wonder if it could have been otherwise. What would have happened if law enforcement had incarcerated her and provided her with help before she had the chance to participate in Ken's murder? What if the detectives investigating Ken's murder had arrested all the parties involved in Ken's murder, not just Cindy? What if she had been safely incarcerated so that her appeal could be made public, possibly providing new information? We will, now, never know. Everyone should be saddened by the unnecessary death of a person at the violent hands of another, no matter how that person might have chosen to live. Her death does nothing to alleviate the pain of the loss of my brother. Two deaths cannot cancel each other out. They only double the pain. My condolences to Cindy's family and friends for their loss. Lori Yedis. End um, quote. So. She's a better person than I am. I, I know. And isn't that just so beautifully written? Yeah. And in conversations that we've had with her, it really f- feels like she does not believe that Cindy was the only one that did this. And she makes a really good point. Like, in one of the articles that I read, it did say that she had been, she had had a couple extensions on her appeal and was about ready to be filing the appeal. But now we'll never know. Yeah. Right? We'll never know what she actually knew. And, like, when I listened to the episode, that the first episode, which was season one, episode six, um, we both kind of said we felt like Cindy would be the kind of person that would just flip yeah. on somebody yeah. just because she seemed like Save she's... herself. Yeah. She's not going down with the ship, basically. Right. So it does make me curious what other information she might have had if any um they are the Fond du Lac police are you know still investigating I I checked last night to see if there was anything new there isn't so they're still calling it a homicide which you would think one of the safest places for a murderer to be would be their own jail cell do you have any uh, do you have more to say okay so Mm -hmm. I can say my thoughts yeah yeah um, 
do you think so i guess i don't know if we really want to speculate too much right but like i'm like okay was this someone like was this because she had more information i think that's how Lori feels feels that's Mm -hmm. kind of how i read it too yeah um so it was kind of like a hit i guess you could say yeah and if Lori, if you're listening to this and we're wrong feel free to reach out and we will backtrack yeah but um yeah that's it's just a great like this story has been just a whirlwind and like really has really a good story for us to have followed and like because literally but when you did the episode she hadn't had she been arrested? She had been arrested, right? Yeah, she'd been arrested, but, but this hadn't trial hadn't trial. happened yet. Cause and then she went to trial and was convicted, and now yep. we are here. And it's just like, who would have thunk, you know? Yeah. Our sixth episode we ever did. Right. And like, all because of a high school friend, friend of mine. Yeah. Which is just, like, mind-boggling. Yeah. So, um, so what we're saying is, please send us stories, you guys. We, we I like looking into them and having that personal connection. and Yeah. Um yeah just very sad for ken's family yeah I and think, like Lori I think said she's right. her I friends think, and family i think um i don't know if it would make me feel any better to know that she has died but yeah yeah i'm Crazy. i'm like literally trying to put myself into that position and like the hatred i would have for the person that killed you or Allie or I mean or John or anybody you know anyone in my family I can't imagine because like I'm the oldest so it's like my job to go first you guys don't get to die before me I get to do that because like I'll be a wreck it'll be bad but I yeah I don't especially with how this whole case went down right with the feeling of there not being the closure right and like everybody always talks about, oh, the closure, the closure, the closure. And I, I don't. Do you ever get closure? Though? I don't think you do. I don't think you do either. I mean, I think again, you might find I don't some know. peace. Yes. In in knowing what happened or in having somebody to hold responsible, but like, I don't know. And it just, like we both have said, it just doesn't feel like Lori believes that it is the end. Like now it has to be the end but maybe it, it hopefully wouldn't hopefully it won't be right hopefully but her lawyers have something, something enough yeah. for i don't know so there we go um again thank you for the two people who brought that to our attention yes thank you so much we really appreciate it um, uh i also did get some information from nbc15.com okay so i just wanted to quote that. make sure i threw that out there awesome um and we are i am going to be telling a story today yeah so so you're getting a two for one kind of getting a little funzy funzy here <laughs> funzy funzy <laughs> huh sure <laughs> um okay i'll try to i mean i'm not gonna talk fast but i don't, I don't th- i'm doing a story where i don't think there's gonna be a whole lot of like back and forth discussion. okay i will say that okay um so i decided to head down to my good old state of nebraska today Ooh, um, thank god <laughs> and I'm going to do something a little bit lighter this week because I wasn't really in the mood to... I mean, you did have a baller weekend, so... Yeah, I needed to just, like, something I could... That was just kind of fast-paced and I could get a lot of information on. Right. So I'm doing um, 
some of the most famous myths, legends, and cryptids Ooh. in Nebraska. This so. does sound fun. I'm here for it. We haven't done a cryptid in a hot second. No, we haven't. Okay. I will say right off the bat, most of these stories are like itty bitty. Right. Which um, tends to happen with the cryptids, cryptids and then also the hauntings. Yeah. So I don't have a whole, like, we're going to really like <laughs> kind of whip through these because okay. they're short and sweet, I guess you could say. So, All right. Um, the first legend I'm going to be talking about is the small town of Weeping Water, it's called. Um, Weeping Water is a teeny, teeny, tiny town located just east of Lincoln. And the legend goes that there was a Native American war that broke out between two tribes within the town. And one tribe stole the daughter of the chief from the other. And after three days of fighting, all the braves on both tribes lay dead. And the tears scribe of the families of the fallen warriors were um, said to have formed the weeping waters of the river that now runs through the town. Okay. So, yeah, a lot of... I don't know if I'd want to live there. Sounds kind of cursy. Yeah. Yeah. a lot of things there i don't think i would like tell me more just a bad vibe i feel like okay i don't know that's all i got on the weeping water town oh i thought there was gonna be like no. all these people but died I mean, mysteriously. like all these like native americans died in a very violent way that's true can't tell me there's not good juju at that town yeah you're, i don't think you're wrong yeah um the next legend I'm going to talk about is of the Hatchet House. Oh, this does not sound good. Which is located in the town of Portal, Nebraska. Also does not sound good. <laughs> <laughs> right. The story goes that in the early 1900s, in a tiny little schoolhouse, a teacher teaching the class of 30 or so students suddenly snaps, and Uh-oh. with no one around to witness, the teacher decides to take matters in her, her own hands. So what does she do? She decapitates <gasps> the kids one by one, placing the students' heads on the desks where they sat. And if that wasn't gruesome enough, after each student was dead, the teacher carved out each of the students' heart and threw them off the side of a bridge. Yuck, Ola. That bridge is now called Heartbreak Bridge. Makes sense. Very fittingly named. Um, the teacher, Too soon, town. Too soon. <laughs> the teacher then died by suicide. Um, you can still visit the old schoolhouse where this took place, although it has been moved from the original spot in Portal, Nebraska to Papillion, Nebraska, after the area it was originally located in had some major flooding. So apparently they thought the schoolhouse was worth it enough to move. Um, there are obviously some major ghost stories that surround both the schoolhouse and the bridge. They say if you visit the schoolhouse at night, you can hear the teacher going mad and the kids' screams. And if you walk across Heartbreak Bridge at night, you can hear the collective hearts that are dumped in the river beating as one. Gross. I hate that. <laughs> I'm out on that one. No, thank you. Um, okay. So the next legend I'm going to talk about is kind of oh funny. Boy. It's called <laughs> um, radi- the Radioactive Hornets. So... After the nuclear disasters in the 1940s, a lot of Americans were concerned that uh, the radiation horrors would make its way to the United States. Um, One such rumor that began to emerge was that there were extremely aggressive hornets that were exposed to radiation and made their way somehow all the way to central Nebraska. 
these hornets could grow up to the four times their normal size. So to me, it just sounds like the murder hornets that That's what showed I was up just in thinking. 2020. I was like, oh my God, up, no, it's the murder hornet. Showed up in the 1940s <laughs> in central Nebraska. Oh my God. Which is like, so apparently hornets just have a bad rap and they just go feral real fast. Yeah, well, honestly, fuck the hornets. <laughs> have you ever been stung by a hornet? Yeah. It sucks. Yeah. Okay. Next, we're going to talk about Blackbird Hill. The story goes that there was once a young couple who were madly in love with each other until the man um, had to go overseas. Uh, His lovely lady waited five years for him to return, but when he didn't, she presumed that he was dead and decided to marry a Nebraska pioneer, and the two settled on Blackbird Hill. One day, the young man the lady was originally in love with showed back up, and the two of them confessed that they still had feelings for each other and were still in love with each other. The woman tried to explain the situation to her new husband, but he was not having it, and he flew into a jealous rage and attacked her. He then picked her up and threw both of them together off the side of Blackbird Hill Cliff into the river below. Wow, he sounds really strong. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) It's said that if you visit the cliff on the night of the murder, which was October 17th, the woman's screams can still be heard in the area. Jeez. I mean, I'd be pretty bitter, too, if I'd married somebody and then their ex came back and they were like, I still love him. Or, well, for me, it'd be, I'd still love her. But I don't think I'd resort to murder. Yeah. (laughs) I guess not. Um, you guess you're like, no, I suppose not. I'm like, if me, I couldn't really. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, next, so that's what happened to that guy. Yeah, <laughs> he's on Blackbird Hill. Black Actually, he's Hill. off the side of yeah. Blackbird Hill, he's in the river. Uh, okay, next, we're gonna talk about the Walgreen Lake Monster. I swear, I thought you were gonna say Walgreens. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna talk about Walgreens. Okay, um, it's a pharmacy slash <laughs> like, com- like regular store yeah really overpriced oh my god right yeah um okay the walgren (laughs) lake monster which i've noticed it doesn't really seem to matter which state we are in all of them have some sort of lake monster yeah we've got peppy and even in nebraska in a state that has like three lakes jk i don't know how many lakes they have but they don't have a lot (laughs) um and even they have like monster so that would be interesting to like look into, like lake monsters of different states. That could be a series. Could be. Too bad we've already covered like two of them. Three I don't of them. more than that because I did one in Kansas too. So three or four now. Yeah, definitely. Because my Great Lakes story had mm-hmm. a little bit too. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. The Walgren Lake Monster was first originally documented by a local man named J.A. Johnson who lived in Hay Springs, Nebraska, which is located near Walgren Lake. He claimed that the monster was a dull gray and brown and was similar to an alligator, but much larger and heavier with a horn between its eyes and nostrils. J.A. and two other men claimed to have been only 20 yards away from the monster, and they all estimated it was about 40 feet long, which is fucking huge that is huge it is also known that the walgren lake monster may have been cooperated by native american accounts of a similar creature living in the lake this beast was known to devour livestock that lived in the area in 1935 a author named mari sandos wrote a biography called old jewels um and she mentions the monster 
and its notoriety. She claims that local fundamentalist Christians believe that the monster was created by none other than Satan himself to test the faith of locals. Nice. In her book, she says, quote, the same devil that scattered the fossil bones over the earth to confund those of little faith could plant a sea monster among sinners, end quote. So is she also a fundamental Christian? (laughs) Or just like crazy? Because that seems very fundamental (laughs) Christian to me. Also, it's like so funny to me that like they, she thinks that like like that satan is like gonna make a like a sea monster of all things right not a plague yeah sea monster right obviously um as time went on the stories surrounding the creature evolved to include supernatural abilities in 1938 stories came out that the monster was so large when it walked it caused the ground to tremble so much that quote farmers became seasick for miles around end quote it also stated that when the monster came to shore to eat livestock, it created a thick green mist that would disorientate travelers. Most people hmm. believe, though, that the Walgren Lake monster was just a hoax made up by a man. Oh, shocking, right? Made up by a man named what? John G. Maher, who was a Nebraska politician and newspaper man as a way to sell more papers. Mayor, All comes down to money, baby. Yeah. Mayor is known for several other hoaxes in the area, such as burying a cement casing of a buffalo soldier in an archaeological site near Ch- Chardon, Nebraska, and proclaiming that it was a petrified man, sinking, ba- uh, sinking a bag of soda in hot springs and reporting on the healing properties of, quote, soda springs, and even warning that the British Navy was sailing up the Mississippi and Missouri River to punish Irish immigrants who supported the Irish Republic. Yeah, he just made shit up. I'm sorry, this man sounds wild. And I need to know more about him. (laughs) The town of Hay Springs, however, has embraced the stories of the Walgren Lake monster selling shirts with its picture on it, as well as creating a replica of the original sighting by J.A. Johnston out of green flotation material and floating it in the lake. Is his name Wally? I don't know. And speaking of J.A. Johnson's original sighting, um, the Nebraska Historical Society believes what he actually saw was just an unusually large beaver. That's a very different description than we were given. Yeah. But okay. With a horn. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Sounds like a scare. Well, you know what? Maybe it was a stick that the beaver was carrying. Oh. Maybe. Maybe. Probably not, though. Probably not, though. It's probably Wally. I'm naming him Wally for them, if that's not his name already. Okay. Wally the Walgren Lake Monster. Yeah. Okay. Um, And our last cryptid we're going to talk about today, this is the one thing about Nebraska. I will say they didn't have, like, one main... Like, a big one. ...cryptid. Okay. Like, a lot, like, the Michigan Dog Man. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Mothman. Interesting. That kind of thing. But... Okay, last chapter we're going to talk about today is the Oakland Creature. On July 4th, 1974, in Oakland, Nebraska, in the middle of the night, Dale and Linda Jones were awoken by, up by a freakish scream and their German shepherd named Shep, which is fucking cute. That is cute. Barking. Um, Dale, thinking one of his pigs had gotten their head stuck in the pig pen, got up and grabbed a flashlight before heading to the barn. When he got there, though, he found nothing wrong, so he turned and headed back towards the front door. And that's when he heard the scream again. He was quoted saying, quote, It was like something I'd never heard before. It's indescribable. People ask me, and I try to tell them, but unless you've heard it, 
end quote. And then it says dot, 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 end quote. Yeah. He ran back to the house, grabbed his baseball bat, and started to search the farm, which is so funny to me. <laughs> like, yeah. You don't have a gun? I mean, it's Go a smart the baseball bat. It's a smart weapon. That's what my uh, self-defense weapon in my bedroom is. Yeah. I have a bat under my bed. Um, That's when he and Linda saw it, a silhouette of a figure standing several hundred feet away. It took off running on two legs and disappeared into the cornfields. The couple, now scared shitless, my own <laughs> words, editorial, went back inside, locked their doors and windows, and waited until morning, wondering if what they saw was real. A few days later, Nick Wickstrom, a 13-year-old delivering newspapers with his brother and his father, also saw something weird. It was a giant creature running along the gravel road. It was described as running on its front knuckles. Um, and he was quoted in saying, like... So, kind of like a gorilla does? Yeah. Okay. He was quoted saying, like... Because they all three saw it, and they were like... He was like, we're country boys. We can identify like creatures we know what things are right we had no idea what the fuck this was again i'm no quote me on the fuck part but they they were like we've seen everything and we couldn't we didn't know what this was so interesting um okay some witnesses described it as over six feet tall with a bear's body and a monkey's face then um there was also sightings from teenagers who were hanging out in a cemetery late at night when they saw the creature walking upright along the tree line, they threw firecrackers at it, and it ran off into the woods. If you threw firecrackers at me, I would also run back into the woods. <laughs> right. Also, the fact that you're, like, hanging out in a cemetery and, like, have firecrackers on you. Interesting. Choices were made. <laughs> yeah. Um, they alerted then-police chief Greg Webb, who asked for assistance from a neighboring town, um, but they came up empty despite searching all night. And using a trained tracking coyote, question mark? <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> like, literally in the article, it was like, the neighboring town, we asked them for help because they had a trained tracking coyote. That's amazing. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> how the fuck did you train a coyote? Okay. Sure. Um, love that for them. Right. The Jones believe that the creature used its land as a base because they claimed to hear it screaming every night. Ugh. And they had, like, like 200 acres or something. Like, Ugh. they had a lot of fucking land. That sounds terrible. Um, but even with locals organizing search parties, nothing was ever found. Around the same time, there were reports of cattle mutilations all over the area, but law enforcement didn't to think seem to think the two were linked. Um, because Weird. Well, they said that the mutilations were very, like, calculated. Oh, like, so they seemed like too, a, like, human, like, planned yes, out. Yes, yes. Okay. Versus, like, an animal that would probably just <laughs> tear it apart. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, the sounds and sightings, though, faded as soon as the weather began to turn cool. And the creature never returned after that. Interesting. Yeah. So, there's my short and sweet episode on some Nebraska cryptids and legends and myths. Love that. Which I think all of them might be myths if you i would agree I would, none of them sound no all that believable none of them really sounded plausible no so there we go um it was a good one yeah it was all right I, no <laughs> i enjoyed best. it i enjoyed it i like those kind um okay my sources yes designing life.biz slash hash it house 
wikipedia.org bestthingsnebraska.com and nebraskapublicmedia.org was the best things nebraska like two paragraphs <laughs> sorry hey <laughs> I, had to. I had to it's too easy nebraska as good as it sounds isn't there a new slogan in nebraska it's not for everybody or something i think like so that? i think yeah. that's what you told me because i was gonna say isn't isn't that forest lakes motto forest lake as good as it sounds yeah i think it might be actually. yeah because it's like over by my credit union is where the like thing is the plaque oh, yeah yeah and i think that's what it says yeah, i'm pretty sure nebraska's is nebraska it's not for everybody i think you're right <laughs> so so funny i love it so much i love nebraska they just tell it how it is yep they're like we're not pretending we know what's up yeah did you hear that I get to go to the Nebraska golf game? I did because of dad's friend. Yeah, I'm very excited. I so. bet. I said, I, when he told me, I was like, oh, she's going to lose her mind. Yeah, I'm pretty pumped. I I feel like really guilty though because I bought a Minnesota shirt. <gasps> I know. Because I feel bad wearing a Nebraska shirt when it's like. You coward. I'm like me and mom are sitting in like the gopher parent. Oh. Like the parents of the players section. Yeah, that would be kind of. And I would be kind of. You could wear a hat, maybe. Assholeish, I feel like, to maybe. show up in my Nebraska gear. I was gonna just like wear something underneath my tee, <laughs> like, whew. just get one of those temporary tattoos. Yeah, put it on over put your it on heart. My cheek, yeah. but I'll wear the Minnesota shirt. Yeah. So okay, that was really um, a topic, but there we go. That's it. Our socials are Midwest Madness Podcast Group on Facebook, MW Madness Podcast. Um, that's our Instagram and also our Gmail. So feel free to reach out to us and we hope you have a great week. Yes, you guys have a great week. We will talk to you next Tuesday. Bye.